We'll take your Bible tonight, turn to 1 Samuel chapter number 3. We'll read a little bit from chapter 2, so we'll start in verse number 27 of chapter 2 and then go right into chapter 3, just highlight a few verses that will help us in understanding and being reminded of the context of these verses. Our series is When a Nation Needs Revival, and I know that you would agree that certainly our nation does need revival, and I'm thankful that God wants to bring revival. The question is, do we want revival? That's the real question is, do we desire, do we want revival? Hey, there's a lot of good things going on out there too in the world. You don't have to all be all gloom and doom, right? I mean, I'm grateful that, um, that there's some good work going on. Just talked to Brother Aaron Mast. Uh, by the way, he's still on trip with the singing groups and getting to visit some of them. And uh, he was just rejoicing in the places that they've already been and what's going on. And, and uh, people that even graduated came through here and went different places Serving the Lord faithfully. So that, that's encouraging. I love, love to hear that. Really, really do. All right. So 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 27. So this is really last week here what we consider, but it, it certainly plays into chapter 3. So it says here, And there came a man of God unto Eli. Eli was the priest at the time, the high priest. And it says, And he said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did not I plainly appear unto the house of thy father? When they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house, and did not, and did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod, a priestly garment before me? And did I give into the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire and the children of Israel? So obviously there was great privilege, great privilege in the house of Eli. And yet look at verse 29, where he the man of God delivers this message to Eli, who was not restraining his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were priests with him. He was not restraining them. And he says to him, Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people." Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, be it far from me for them, notice this is very important, Note, them that honor me, I will honor and them and they rather that despise me shall be what? Lightly esteemed. All right. So that was a sobering message, a sobering message to Eli. God goes on in verse 35 to say through the man of God that he would raise up a faithful priest that shall do according to all that is, which is in mine heart and in my mind. And I will build him a sure house and he shall walk before me, before mine anointed forever. And so that, that is fulfilled. If you look at it in 1 Kings chapter 2, um, with the removal of Abiathar the, in the lineage of Eli and the establishment of Eleazar, and I mean, it specifically mentions that this is a fulfillment of what happened in the days of Eli, all right? Ultimately in Jesus Christ. So there's a plan. Hey, what I'm trying to say right here is even though things seem real messed up, God's still in charge. And he's still working out his plan, all right? So now we come to chapter three. And the child Samuel, the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass 
at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see an error before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep that the Lord called Samuel and he, Samuel, answered, here am I. And he ran unto Eli. Now, I think that's commendable. Here's a child deep in sleep, awakened, and he runs to the priest. Well, you know, I mean, you're 12 years old or so. It's kind of hard to get up out of bed, number one. But here he is. I mean, he's getting up and he is running unto the man under whom, whose supervision he is. And he says to Eli, here am I. For thou calledest me. And he said, I, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not. My son, lie down again. <laughs> now Samuel, this is a very important explanation right here, by the way. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. The idea is until this time. Okay. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived, you almost want to say, well, finally, Right? Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore, Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, I love this, don't you? Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Speak, Lord. And that's what everybody here ought to, ought to be willing to say to God. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. In other words, I don't want to just be a hearer, but I want to do what you tell me to do. Speak, Lord, thy servant. And it implies that he's going to do something with it. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord, notice this now, verse 10. And the Lord came and stood. Can you imagine this? And called, as at other times, Samuel. Samuel. Wow. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And so the remainder of the chapter is God revealing to Samuel that he has a very difficult task at hand. He is to deliver to Eli the message of judgment. And that just as the man of God said was going to happen, it is now going to happen. Now, we don't know how much time passed between the man of God showing up on the scene and delivering this. It seems like there's a space of time and perhaps even a space of time for Eli to repent. But he didn't repent. And when he didn't repent, he crossed the line. But God was speaking. Really, a new day was dawning as he spoke to Samuel. Here's the title tonight. 
The word of God to today's young people. The word of God to today's young people. Hearing God's call in a day when his word is despised. Hearing God's call. Hearing God's call in a day when his word is lightly esteemed. Despised. May God bless the reading of his word as you're seated. I'm firmly convinced that God is still calling people to serve him. Firmly convinced of that. I'm also firmly convinced you don't have to be called into the ministry as a pastor. I, I try to emphasize that along the way because I don't think any of us as Christians should get in our minds, well, serving God, I mean, that's for the preachers, you know. No, that's for the Christian, for the Christian, all right? But I do believe that God is still calling. Um, i tell you why I get excited preaching youth camps. I hope you don't mind me sharing things from youth camp here or youth conferences here or youth rallies or meetings or whatever. Because, listen, I, I think it's a good for us to, to know God's still calling forth another generation. And I, I really, I want to give you reports. I want to, because I asked you to pray and I know many of you do. I got texts this week praying for you while you're preaching. And, um, and these are, I think, very, very important times. Um, when, when you get young people away from their cell phones, well, that'll help. You know, we probably ought to have adult camp too, right? Probably ought to have adult camp. It would help us all, no doubt. But um, I know that God is calling. You know, um, thinking about this message, I thought back on my own call. Um, I remember it was, I believe the youth camp uh, was June of 1990. To be very honest with you, I didn't even really want to go. I didn't. I was, I was 14 years old. And honestly, I only went because there was a girl there. <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, it's sad to say it wasn't Angie at the time. My heart wasn't right. <laughs> mm, okay, I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> June of 1990. Um, but I remember walking, this is so distinct in my mind, and, and it's so, it really caught me off guard because, I mean, I was there to play softball, I was there to, to play volleyball, I was there pretty much for the sports and, and, and so forth. Uh, but I remember walking up to the tabernacle, it set up on a hill, Mountain View Baptist Youth Camp, Monticello, Kentucky. I was walking up and... Uh, Kevin Carson, our pastor's son, was preaching and along with other young men. But I was walking up there. I was actually running late for where I was supposed to be. But I remember not hearing an audible voice in any way, but, but God speaking to me with no less clarity. I, I'm not, hey, listen, I realize we have the completed scriptures, but I, I do believe God God has a will for people's lives and he can communicate that will to us. And that's not extra revelation. revelation. It's just God being our shepherd and being our, our, the Lord of the harvest. And I was, I was walking up there to that tabernacle and I remember it was just, it became so clear to me, God's saying in my, in my heart, I want you to do that. I want you to preach. And I, I immediately shut it down and said, that's not me. I, I mean, really. 
at the time, spiritually, I was, I was nowhere near being qualified to preach in my heart and mind. I really wasn't. Now, God was doing some things that week and Parker Daly was preaching and, and he also, I don't know how many here would know Parker Daly, but actually he could throw some pretty fast uh, uh, under, underhand, I mean, fast pitch softball. And I was playing baseball at the time. So I thought, and this man, he was like in his sixties, I think at the time I thought, well, surely I could hit him, hit him. But he was like throwing in his six, in the sixties or more with a softball. It was unreal. It struck me out. So anyways, um, he got my attention and my respect pretty quickly as a, as, as just an athlete, but, but more so even in the preaching and, and, uh, and God really began to get a hold of my heart through him. I think it was him that year. I don't know. I guess, you know, in many ways, it doesn't matter who the preacher was. All I know is God began to get a hold of my heart. And the rest of that year, I was really beginning to wrestle with God calling me to preach and went to my pastor, Brother Marvin Carson. I said, Brother Carson, uh, I believe God might be calling me to preach. I don't know for sure. And, and he gave me a verse. I'll never forget it. It was so helpful. Matthew chapter 14 and how that Peter uh, saw the Lord walking on the water. And, and here's what Peter said. Lord, if it's thee, bid me come. I like what he did right there. He wanted to make sure that it was the Lord on the water before he got out of the boat. You know, that's a really good thing to do. Make sure it's God that is there calling you. And I just wanted to make sure that became my prayer. Lord, I, I want to preach. The, the desire was growing in my heart. Lord, I want to preach, but I want to make sure that it's you calling me, that it's not my mom or not my preacher or not my youth pastor or others that I have great admiration for. But I want to make sure, God, that it is you. And on August the 1st, 1991, as Tommy Stone was preaching on a Thursday night, I'd preach that week. Uh, really, for the first time, I'd preached out of Revelation chapter 3, the last knock. Really, to be honest with you, I took it way out of context, but <laughs> God is merciful. <laughs> and I surrendered that, that day to preach. I was 15 years old. Surrendered to do whatever God wanted me to do. And I failed to mention that that August of 1990, um, I was at a youth conference that I didn't really want to go to either, but God had me there as well. And I heard Steve Robertson and, and uh, Johnny Pope and, and some other men that preached that week, Dean Blakeney and, and uh, uh, another a, a black gentleman, I think it's Stan Harris, I can't remember. But anyways, those men, I mean, they, they grabbed my attention. There's one man that, that spoke in an afternoon session that to this day, I don't know, I don't know who he was, but God... Uh, used it to, to change the direction my entire life. I'm so grateful to God. Someday I look forward to knowing who that man was. Um, I'm just saying, God speaks to young people. And, I, and I'm glad he speaks to older people, in case you're in that category too. He's, the bottom line on this is he speaks he speaks to any who will listen. My um, call is very special to me. Brother Brian Wells. Brother Brian, uh, maybe just raise your hand right over here. Um, he, uh, he has been very faithful, along with others, to serve in the sixth grade department. 11 and 12 year olds. Church, I, I think in many ways, one of the most pivotal grades They're no longer kids. Well, they kind of are. But they're not teens yet, but they kind of are. 
And I believe a lot of the seeds that are sown as an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old, the harvest is seen in the youth department. So it's a very pivotal age. Brother Brian, I was reminded and that every year, every year he uses this passage. And I, I'm not going to, he, he was very kind to share with me in email form just his thoughts. But he uses this passage to help the 11 and 12-year-olds that are coming in there. How many of you are 11 or 12 years old? Let me see your sixth grade, just coming into sixth grade. Some of you just moved up. Some of you just moved up to seventh grade. Uh, some of you, let me see all sixth graders, sixth graders, sixth grade, okay, yep, all right, sixth graders, some scattered throughout here, okay, right over here, wonderful, sixth grade, what a, what a great age, amen, do you remember that? It's a great age, pivotal age. LeBron uses the analogy of a, a sports analogy, like sometimes we say it this way, did you catch that? Like somebody's talking to you, hey, did you catch that? And he says, uh, don't be a dropper. Y'all remember that? Some of you that remember that speech? And he uses this passage. It's really good. Brother Brian said this, and I asked him if I could share it. I can rem remember vividly during my sixth grade year, his testimony at church camp. God spoke to me through the preaching, and I surrendered my life to him in the sixth grade. And many times after that, I remember God starting to speak. I don't remember him speaking much before that time except my salvation in the third grade. But for many of them, this sixth grade year, they're going to hear God for the first time. Big question. The big question is this. Are you going to catch what God is saying to you? And then the main idea he tries to get across. When God speaks, your spiritual growth will be determined by whether you catch God's word or you let his word fall to the ground. In the sixth grade, he says, every week during Sunday school in the preaching hour, and by the way, Brother Brian just rears back and preaches. I've asked my sons about it, and they said, Dad, he preaches. I like it. God is going to speak to you about your attitude, your friends, your music, what you're watching on TV and on YouTube, your choice of games, having boyfriend or girlfriends, which at that age, the boys at least, are not interested. <laughs> good for them, right? Um, your personal spiritual development and much more. And then he exhorts them, determine now how you're going to respond. And you're going to respond either like Samuel who said, speak Lord, thy servant heareth, or you're going to respond like Eli and his sons. And you're just going to let the word of God just pass by you and not do a thing with it. This is a very trans formational time in Samuel's life. He's going from being a child, a boy, the word is child here, probably about 12 years old. Everybody I read after said about 12 years old. So what am I going to say? 12 years old. Somewhere right in there, 12 years old. He was transitioning from being a child or a young person to being the man of God on the hour. A preacher, a spokesman, Prophet. I asked, um, I asked the boys, it's my custom, what'd you learn in Sunday school and church? Well, tell me about Sunday school and church. Trenton just moved up to the seventh grade. He said this, we had the most amazing donuts today. <laughs> he got something out of Sunday school. Chocolate covered, man, they were glazed just right. It was awesome. That's good. But then I tell you what else he went on to say. He said, Brother Ben Matney, uh, taught me today about individual soul liberty. Well, what is that? Well, hey, that's a Baptist distinctive. 
that you find in the Word of God. Using Brother Kurt Copeland's material uh, right now in the youth department, uh, not your mama and daddy's religion. In other words, it needs to be yours personally. And uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for Brother Matney and others. Uh, Trevor shared that uh, Brother Preston, uh, Rose shared the same thing, I think taught the same lesson, individual soul liberty, and, and said that uh, Brother, uh, Brother Stepp preached living a full life in an empty world. Hey, I'm glad that God is speaking to our young people. I'm thankful for the God for that. Some of you have been very privileged to hear the Word of God. You've been very privileged to know the presence of God. You, you've been very privileged to be in a place where you could serve the Lord. You've been very privileged to see God provide for you, but some of, some of you are squandering it. Squandering it. Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas was squandering it. I didn't even deal with last week, sometimes in the course and fury of preaching, and I get away from my notes, and I even fail to mention some of the things that are in the text, but but the man of God said to Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice? Kick. Uh, trample. In other words, God has been so good to you. Why, why are you treating, why do you treat that like it doesn't really matter? Now everybody here needs to hear that, right? Because we're all in danger of that, that we can take the precious things of God so much for granted. Because you, you've grown up here. Hey, I... I'm, I'm glad. I just heard Brother Bill Marshall. He pastors Riverside Baptist Church up in, up in um, uh, St. Joe, Missouri. And, and God, God saved him out of a life of drugs and alcohol and, and took him. He was the first man to go through the ministry, the, the, the ministry there in Ufala. I mean, and God changed his life and called him to preach. I'm glad God can, can save some people out of a lifestyle like that. But I'm also glad that God can take some young men like these sitting right here on this front row that are, that are in their young years that are growing up in church. I'm glad God's able to take them just as much as he is somebody that's been a drunkard before. I'm glad he's able to keep them from that kind of life. That's even better if, if you all would just keep listening like you're listening right now and, and taking notes and paying attention and, and really taking it in. Hey, God will keep you from all kinds of things. But if you get to the point where you think, Pff, I've heard all, hey, everybody listening? I've heard all that before. Don't, don't talk during the preaching, right? Don't sleep during the preaching. Don't text during the preaching because when you do, it's like this. I'm kicking. I don't really need this. I don't really need that. Boy, you need this more than what you realize. More than what you realize. And every one of us are susceptible to just taking God's blessings for so much for granted. And I, I, as I was growing up as a young man, 14, my dad got horses again. And, and we began to feed those horses, you know, sweet feed and oats and hay and, and, and good Timothy hay, you know what I mean? Some good stuff. I mean, every now and then some alfalfa, but some good Timothy hay and, and had them a nice stall. And it was my job to clean those stalls. And I mean, we made them a nice place. And you know what those crazy horses did every now and then? took a shot at me. I, I can remember my dad. Now, my dad shot the horses, but I'd, I'd step in behind the horse, you know, and, and coming in and just cleaning out their hooves and, and, and just making them, you know, have a, well, have a better life. <laughs> I mean, just helping them. And every now and then that if I was working on the, on the front hoof, you know, you, you pull it up there and you're, you're working on it and cleaning it all out and making it nice. And every now and then he'd pull his leg away and, and just like stomp at me. And I want to say now, now that I know this verse, wherefore kick ye at me? 
I'm trying to do you good. I'm trying to help you. Hey, listen, friend, God is trying to do you good. God is trying to help you. God is good to speak to you. God is good to speak to all of us. God is good to supply for us. We don't, we don't deserve to be here, so don't take this for granted. I just want to hit that before we move on. Don't take this for granted because if you do and you despise the word and you ignore the word and you try to evade the word and you try to get around it, you try to do your thing, then what you'll end up as is like Hophni and Phinehas and you'll face God's judgment rather than God's blessings. Because listen to this, you're, 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 uh, the fact that you may be related even to a preacher does not mean that you necessarily have a relationship with God. Relatedness does not spare you from God's judgment. Hey, listen, your position is not going to keep you from divine, divine uh, uh, chastisement just because uh, Hophni and Phinehas were related to, to Eli. That did not spare them. No, 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 not at all. In fact, if anything, they should have known better. And I'm, I'm, I'm not preaching this at any, any specific individual or any group right now, but, but there are many of you that are just despising the word and you know better. You just flat know better. You, you know better as a young person. You've been taught better maybe than the way that you're living right now. And again, I don't have any, uh, anything on my mind specifically about that. But I just know how that it's easy because I was doing it. When I, when I told you that I was going to church every single Sunday and, and when God even began to work in my heart about call, a call to ministry, I wasn't even really desiring that. But I'm telling you, I was taught from a child that God is to be honored and respected. And those that honor him, he honors. And, but those that despise him, he deals with them. And God was dealing with me, friend. I'm glad I'm here tonight because God was merciful to me. Now you're here tonight because God has been merciful to you. But listen, don't keep pushing it. Don't keep pushing the line. Don't keep crossing the line. Don't keep thumbing your nose, so to speak, at God and saying, well, whatever. And just keep kicking at it and kicking at it because there comes a time when God says, that's enough. You say, you're trying to scare us. If that'd work, I'd do it. If that would work, I'd do it because your life is worth it. Hophni and Phinehas, they had so much that they could have passed on. But watch this. They had nothing they could pass on because they took for granted what they had. You've got so much, so much that you could pass on. Now, I'm looking around here and I'm seeing some fourth generation young people. I'm seeing some third generation young adults. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of families here. And you've been given so much. Hey, listen, folks, here's what we got to do with God's help. We need God's help, don't we? We need God's help to pass on what we received. Listen, don't take it for granted. It's too good. It's too good. Samuel. He jumped up. The Bible says he ran. Now, I'm a little bit slower getting up out of bed. How about you? But he ran. Why was this so significant? He ran. Uh, why was a call so significant in Samuel's life? He ran to where Eli was. And so, I mean, you, 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 you know, you've got the, the temple area, the tabernacle area as it was, and then you have the, the temple as it was uh, by its uh, configuration. Let me, let me just double check my notes here right quick because 45 foot long, 14, 15 foot wide, 15 foot high is the, is the holy place. And then you have the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the high priest entered into once a year. And then you have the altar of incense here. You had the table of showbread here, the lamp here that was before it went out which is highly symbolic. 
Because even though it's getting dim, there's still a light in Shiloh. There's still hope in Shiloh. Now, it is true that Eli was, was not able to see very well. Uh, evidently, he didn't hear <laughs> very well. It's very symbolic that he is spiritually not in tune. Not in tune. And the word of God was precious in those days. Now, let's just deal with that right quick. The word precious there can mean this. It means that it's of great value, of great worth. And would you agree, can I see your Bible just right quick, Gary? The word of God is indeed precious in the sense that it is of great, great, great worth. It is. But if you look at the second, second part of that verse, there was no open vision in that day. If something is of great worth, it can also be this. It's, it's that way because it is rare. It is rare. Hannes Wagner's baseball card is worth a lot of money. I don't even know much about Hannes Wagner, but I know this. There's only like three of them in the world. It's rare. It's precious. What he's saying right here is that the word of God is precious in this sense. God wasn't speaking to people. There was no open vision in that day. Why was there no open vision? Well, they were under God's judgment. This is coming out of the time of the judges. They didn't have God speaking to them. Listen to this now. Oh, this is, this is good preaching everywhere here in the sense of what we need to hear. Here, here's what it was. They didn't have God's word coming to them because they didn't really want it. And thus the word of God was precious in those days. Now, I believe, it, I believe it has the idea of both. It was precious in the sense of its intrinsic worth. But it also, and I think the intent of the authors is to say this. God wasn't speaking at that time. God said, later, there'd come a famine, not of bread or of water, but of the word of God. That's evidence of God's judgment on the land. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That verse gets so abused. Uh, that, that word vision doesn't mean, you know, like somebody has a vision for things. No, it means God's word. Where there is, where the word of God is not given, where, where people don't have a vision, then the people perish. The word of God was precious in those days. There was no open vision. But the child Samuel ministered before Eli. You, you know what he did? He, oh, he did not allow the wickedness of Hophni and Phinehas to discourage him from serving the Lord. Right. Now you can look around and find somebody and say, well, there's a hypocrite right there and that's why I don't want to serve God. And you could use that excuse, but, but now you're in the same situation. Yeah. How about we be just like Samuel that's just going to do their job and be faithful in the house of God and let God be God. And let God take care of what I can't take care of. And I love that about Samuel, that he was just faithful. He was brought there as a little three-year-old boy, no doubt, between three and, and 12. No doubt he saw Hophni and Phinehas do, doing some things. And maybe it caused confusion. I don't know. We don't know a lot about what he understood at that time. But we, we do know this, that he was faithful to serve the Lord. And I want to say to every young person here today, I, I want to encourage you. God may very well tap your life for service. You just be faithful doing what you know to be the will of God right now. And Samuel was ministering to the Lord and the call of God came on his life. Samuel! And he ran in there to Eli and Eli said, look, I didn't call you. 
And he went back and laid back down. Samuel, and he came running in there. I noticed this. He did not grow weary of it. He did not have a bad attitude. He didn't say, Eli, come on. Why do you keep calling me in here? He didn't do that. He had a good attitude. He had a good spirit. And he came in there the second time. And then the third time, the word of God came to Samuel again. Samuel, and he, and he came in there to Eli. And Eli finally understood or perceived that the Lord was speaking to the young man. Now, verse number seven is, is I believe, the key to the text. Let's look at it again. We're dealing with why was this such a significant call in Samuel's life? And it says, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Now that was said of Hophni and Phinehas back in the previous chapter, but that was, that was said of them because of this. They didn't acknowledge God's authority in their life. But here, that's not what Samuel's heart is. It's just this, that God had not yet called him. God had not yet revealed anything to him just yet, but he would. The significance of, of, of Samuel's call is in this. It came to Samuel personally at a very critical time in their nation's history. And God's call on your life, some of you, God may be calling you. I believe every person ought to be open to God's call in their life. Every person, every one of you young people, you ought, you ought to be willing. If God calls you to be a missionary, then you do that. If God calls you to be a pastor, young men, then you do that. If God calls you to be a pastor's wife or youth pastor's wife, young lady, then you do that. You, you, you be open to whatever God has for you. Don't miss God's call in your life. Don't fear God's call. Fear missing God's call. All right. I believe God is calling some young people. And would you agree with me here this evening that we too, just like Samuel was, we are at a very critical time in our nation's history. And the difficulty of the task that Samuel was going to be given to deliver the word to Eli necessitated the clarity of the call. And God made it very, very clear that Samuel, I am calling you to be my prophet. I'm calling you to be my spokesman. And it's not going to be an easy task to go to Israel in the spiritual condition that they're in right now. And that's why I'm making it very, very clear to you that I am calling you, Samuel. It's interesting. God called his name twice. Samuel, Samuel, you know what that reminds me of? Abraham, Abraham, Moses, Moses, Exodus 3, 4, Moses, Moses. God called twice to him. He called his name twice. Now, now that would just underscore this was a very significant time. It was the dawning literally of a new day because the candle of the Lord hadn't gone out there. The lamp stand hadn't gone out as it would burn through the night. It wasn't, it wasn't yet dawn. It wasn't yet the time, but the dawn was coming. Hey, listen, we are living in a very spiritually dark time, just like they were in the days of judges. And I believe in this spiritually dark time, God still has his lights. And it's in the form of local churches that are preaching the word. And he's calling for the new generation of men and women alike, Christians alike, calling us to, to come and to serve him full force, all out, not holding anything back, but that we'd be like Samuel that would see that we are called to serve at a very critical time. And he's calling you personally. What a privilege. This is a difficult day. Now I'll say this. Those 200 campers this past week, they were really easy to preach to because they were just glad to be there. 
Last year, their camp got canceled because of COVID. So I think they were glad to be anywhere together. It was awesome. But their hearts were wide open. But I've noticed something. I've noticed something in, in some of the young people, especially those that are in public schools. They've been inundated and indoctrinated with false teaching. I had a young man come to me. This was uh, Tuesday morning. I'm at breakfast sitting there talking with uh, Brother Kyle Martin from Parsons, Kansas. And we were having breakfast and the young man came up and um, I noticed that he'd hurt his arm and such. And then just out of the blue, he went to the message that I preached last night. Because I, I had mentioned, in fact, I mentioned in about four messages, male and female created he them. God's plan for marriage. The young man believed that. But then he asked me this. He said, are, are we supposed to persecute those that are homosexual? I mean... I, I didn't even get to ask his name. He just came up and bam. I, I said, <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't say we were supposed to persecute. I said that we may be persecuted someday for the stand that we're taking. I don't believe we're supposed to persecute. I believe we're supposed to love and, and help save out of that lifestyle. So once we had the discussion, he, he, he was concerned that there was maybe a mean-spiritedness to come against those. But part of what's driving it there is the indoctrination process that we're supposed to not only show love, but we're supposed to also endorse that way of life. Now, he was one of the last young men to greet me on the way out of camp on Friday big smile on his face, and we, we actually became, I mean, in terms of just a good relationship, and I, and I, I commended him and said, I said, hey, listen, man, let me, let me tell you, I'm glad you came asking questions. There's a difference between questioning and asking questions, and he did not come questioning like, I'm going to trip you up, but, but he, I mean, he came, and, and the only reason I'm mentioning that is this. Your generation is going to face this. Your generation is facing this. We're not living in the same America we were in about 10, even 20 years ago. 1990, as God was calling me and saying, I want you to do that. At the same time, Brother Sam Davidson came here in 1990. I thought about that today, 20 years Prior to the transition, I thought, good night. I may have just preached at some camp, somebody who's going to be the next pastor of Southwest Baptist Church. But if Jesus tarries his coming in 20 years, the, the cultural climate that we're living in is going to be much different. We've gone from a Christian-oriented nation to a post-Christian nation, and now we have entered into an anti-Christian nation. And the difficulty of the task that we are facing necessitates that you 
each of us, I'm not just preaching to the young people tonight, I'm, I'm preaching to everyone here, that everyone would be very clear on what God's call is on your life, what his role is for your life, that you might fully embrace it and be all in. Samuel needed that time where he personally understood. He had a godly mama and a godly daddy. But it ain't your mama and daddy's religion. It's got to be yours. Relationship. Don't wait till you're an adult to have a relationship with the Lord. Have one right now. Amen. We're getting ready to have Bible school. I believe God's going to save some children. We're going to be very careful in the way that we deal with them. But I believe God is going to call some of them to salvation. He's calling all to salvation. And I'm glad some of those kids are going to be saved. What an exciting thought. They're going to come and God's going to speak to them. It's going to be a lot of effort. We're going to be way out of our comfort zone. They're going to be loud. They're going to be energetic. But they need to hear from God. And we provide the environment which they can. I was praying for 70 degree weather. That's not going to happen. But we're still going to run buses. We're going to take young people to youth camp. The juniors are going to go down to Eufaula. The teens are going to go all the way to Indiana. It's an expense. It's an effort. I commend with Kevin Culver on the hard work, getting buses there and back, vans. Going to Colorado, we had a van go down, transmission being put in tomorrow. It's an expense. It's an effort. But I'm telling you, church, it's worth it. You say, well, couldn't they just go to the mountains of Oklahoma? <laughs> God will speak anywhere. I get that. But there's something about it. Just getting away. And hearing from God. God's speaking to you. We'll probably have about a thousand young people come here for youth conference. The word of God will be preached. And some other 14, 15 year old will need God's call in their life. Some 12 year old just coming into the seventh grade, scared out of their ever loving mind, trying to fit in somewhere. You with me? God cares about every one of them. He cares about the parents of the teens and grandparents of the teens. God doesn't stop speaking to you just because you got out of your teenage years. He speaks to college age. He speaks to young couples. Some of Daniel's greatest work came in his 80s. Caleb's greatest work came in his 80s. So don't think, well, I'm out because I'm not in the youth group. No, you're still within the sound of God's voice. Let's stand together here tonight. It's a personal relationship that is needed. I wonder tonight if there's anybody here that's maybe just been taking that for granted. We ought to take heed to the warning of the man of God that came to Eli and his family. I wonder if there's anybody here that maybe God's working in their life calling you to serve him. The word of God is calling. God's calling, I believe, in a day when even his word is despised. Father, um, 
I want to thank you today that you still call. We're living in a very chaotic time in in our nation's history. Perhaps not as chaotic as other times, but nonetheless, there's enough and sufficient moral confusion and theological confusion today, dear God, and cultural upheaval that certainly your word is becoming more and more rare in towns where it used to be. I think about Detroit, Cincinnati, and other places like that where there used to be Bible preaching churches and now they're hard to find. Your word is becoming more and more precious and thus it ought to be even more precious to us in the sense of its value. God, I pray that you'd call forth another generation to serve you, Lord, I pray. God, help our young people. I pray for them this week. I pray for the teens that'll meet together and the children that'll meet together. God, I pray for the teens that are here tonight, dear God, the young people, the college age. God, thank you for speaking to them through Brother Dan Preston. Thank you for the one saved there at college camp. Thank you for the other decisions that were made there. God, we believe you're doing a work and we just want to participate with it. I pray that anybody here who might be discouraged would hear your voice speaking to them. I pray, God, that you would, you would uh, just bring us close. And I thank you, God, that you don't give up on us, Lord. Thank you for still loving us like you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray.